Every day, the Rundown podcast keeps you in the loop about the people and places that shape Chicago. The show is possible thanks to the ongoing support of listeners like you who understand the value of our work to keep you engaged. Support the Rundown podcast at wbez.org slash rundown donate. And thank you. What's up, Chicago? I'm Erin Allen, and this is The Rundown. So Thanksgiving is in two days. Yeah, it snuck up on me too. But last year, we were pretty intentional about it, and I had what is still one of my favorite conversations yet on The Rundown. This is my this is my third time talking with WBEZ about food. I'm like, I should probably just go up here and take some food. This is Jordan Wimby, also known as the Melanin Martha. She's a chef, a culinary preservationist, and a self-described homebody. She makes food while exploring healing through the art of homemaking. A lot of great culinary things are based out of poverty, based out of oppression, based out of trauma. But the thing that I was realizing is like, people somewhere down the line figure out a way to make those things powerful and beautiful and like propel them into a different direction that's not traumatizing. How do we do that? Thanksgiving, just as a holiday, is fraught with the trauma of colonization, erasure, displacement. I mean, let's call a spade a spade. And then there's the trauma that sometimes comes up when you get together over a meal with family. It ain't always just peace and gratitude. So how do we prioritize healing as we gather and eat? Jordan is here to talk about it, and she's also going to make some suggestions on how to bring good food and feels to your turkey day dinner. So uh, let's start with when you started cooking. Oh, man. I was a child. <laughs> um, I, started, I started cooking at a really early age, mostly because I grew up in a home that was very chaotic. Um, there was always a lot of bodies moving in and out of the space. And, you know, I also had my own childhood trauma and a way for me to channel all of that energy and chaos was through cooking and being able to be creative in that way. Hmm. I've always been a, a highly creative person and have found the art within food. And so, yeah, I think the kitchen has always kind of been my sanctuary, even when I was a, a sixth grade student coming home after school and just needing an outlet. Wow, that is really young to start cooking. Um, I was a child artist, too, but I was drawing, and I feel like that's something that's really accessible, you know, when you're, like, you know, doing arts and crafts in school. Um, yeah. But you were also around other families, too, as a young man, right? Yeah, yeah, my Nona. I grew up in Beverly during a time, Beverly, Chicago, when it was predominantly white. And anybody who knows the city knows that Beverly, for a very long time, I mean, one, it's heavily Irish. And unfortunately to say, I'm hoping that it's changed, but during this time, heavily racist. Mm. And so we were really the only black family on my block for a very, very, very long time. Mm -hmm. And because my grandparents and mom were all teachers, they worked at a high school in the neighborhood and befriended an Italian, uh, an Italian man at the high school who was teaching language and they became best friends. Find out that they live a couple blocks away from each other. And they were also experiencing extreme prejudice because of the fact that they were Italian living in a predominantly Irish area. Hmm. So it was kind of like this trauma bonding 
yeah. that kind of happened within our families of like, okay, nobody really likes us. So let's <laughs> just, we will just, you know, hang out with each other. And they yeah. became such good friends because of that, like because of the injustice that they both faced. I mean, mm. in different ways, obviously, but yeah. when you're isolated and targeted, it makes you create a bond. So they became really, really, really good friends. So when my mother was going back to school, she needed a babysitter. And my grandmother's friend, who's Italian, his wife, was nannying. Mm. And she's just this really warm Italian grandmother. And we would cook together. We would listen to Italian music. She would speak to me in Italian. And it just became another part of my identity, along with my blackness. You know, it was something that I lived in these two worlds. But when I decided to not go straight to college, I took a gap year and moved to Italy with their family and lived there for about three years, took culinary classes there, really fully embraced having the opportunity to experience another culture outside of my own. Yeah. So you're you're learning to cook there. When did it really hit you just how connected food and culture and identity are? You know, for me particular, a moment that it happened where I realized my own identity connected to food did not happen until way after I left Italy. Mm. I was so adamant about talking about the connection of food and identity for everybody else except for Black Mm. people because I didn't feel like I knew what it was. I've never seen it. If we called my Nona right now and just talked about pizza and pasta and her favorite salamis and cheeses and there is this instant connectivity to herself and her family and it's so passionate and loving and positive Mm -hmm. and it brings a smile to her face and I don't think that I ever actually experienced that with black food with with my food with my own identity and my own cultural culinary identity so it wasn't really until the death of George Floyd where I started to really think about my identity as a black person Mm. And the way that I want to change the way we see ourselves and me using food as a catalyst for that, it wasn't until that moment that I actually started to think about my own identity linked to food. And what came up for you? Um, trauma, really. I mean, when I started to kind of do research, it started in where do the foods that I love come from? Where do they stem from? Is it colonization, the enslavement period? Like where are where these flavors, these dishes? Yeah. What is the origin? Once I started figuring out the origin, a lot of trauma came to the surface about black food. I mean, I was reading articles and hearing podcasts where people were talking about, you know, soul food equating to slave food and all, all types of really negative things. And I'm like, okay, cool. I know that there's trauma that exists for us in terms of black black soul food and a lot of great culinary things are based out of poverty based out of oppression yeah. based out of trauma yes but the thing that i was realizing is like people somewhere down the line figure out a way to make those things powerful and beautiful mm-hmm. and like propel them into a different direction that's not traumatizing yes how do we do that italian food now we look at it and it's like oh it's so beautiful pasta pizza All of that stuff came out of fruition because people had no money and they had to figure out how to use what they had access to and make something delicious. 
just like soul food. So why is the narrative so different? And I was looking at, I mean, Mexican cuisine, same story. Spanish cuisine, same story. A lot of Asian cuisine, same story. You just use what you have access to. Yeah. And you make it beautiful. So that's really what I was focused on doing is taking something that's traumatic and turning it into something positive and reimagining it. Yeah. Um, that is really beautiful. <laughs> um, and it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a healing process, sounds yeah. like, also. It is. Um, you've cooked and learned to cook for so many different types of people in different environments. Let's say all those folks end up in the same room, right? The low-carb and the vegans end up with mm-hmm. the Italians who are, the, you know, they're here for some some proper gnocchi, right? Yep. How do you approach cooking for all of those palates and dietary differences all in one room? There are times when I have supper clubs or pop-ups where I will not change the menu hmm. at all. Um, I cook what makes me feel good. And I will give people, you know, a heads up. Like, I do not plan on making vegan dishes this time around or gluten-free dishes. There's other times when I'm cooking because I want to make other people feel good. So it really depends on who you're cooking for. Are you cooking for yourself Mm. as a healing process, as a form of meditation, or are you cooking for others to make them feel good? And there is a lot of wonderful, easy ways to make dishes. Maybe two out of the five dishes you make are completely plant-based and gluten-free. Vegetables are your friend. Oh, yes. You know, like I might not be the person who's going to make like impossible meatloaf with like vegan cheese, but I will whip you up a mean heirloom tomato salad. (laughs) That's vegan and gluten-free. And like that's my offering to you. I'm also someone who says, you know, this is my prefix menu. If there's something that you really want to bring – I encourage people to also bring things that are going to make them feel comfortable within Mm. the space. And maybe they can share something with me too, you know, even though you're the hostess, I always, I'm the, I'm the hostess with the most I'm the person who's trying to like make everybody happy all the time. (laughs) I've learned to let go of some of those responsibilities. Mm. Let people help you help them be comfortable. And if that means that they need to bring their own protein and you provide the sides, do it. Sometimes people also need the opportunity to take care of themselves within your own space because that's also going to make them feel good. Yeah. I mean, I know that a lot of your work is around creating the proper space to invite people into. Yeah. And making sure that, yeah, they feel taken care of. I mean, talk about how you approach hosting people in your home space when you're inviting mm-hmm. people into your home, not just the food, but specifically just the feels, right? The, the space yeah. and, and, and the place. Yeah. This is a great topic because I recently had a a private supper. I host a supper club in my home with 10 people that I I might know, some of them I don't know, but they each buy a ticket and I turn my home into a restaurant. I hire a server. I print out a menu. We have beautiful china. We have candles and music. It's wonderful. Let's start with the vibes. People are arriving at different times and we start with an hors d'oeuvre and they each get a glass of champagne just to break the ice. And they just mingled in my living room. 
they had a seat there was music icebreaker time icebreaker time get to know each other yeah you know this is their time to like talk about this hors d'oeuvre that they're eating and having having something in your hand when you first arrive breaks the ice instantly so everyone's trickling in and I give them a rundown of what to expect I acknowledge in that moment that none of us know each other right off the bat and I always say what my intention is as the host my intention is for you to feel comfortable my intention is for you to eat well and you know they're getting to know people of different backgrounds and we had people of all different colors all different ages races it didn't matter and then we have a seat and most of the people there came with someone that they knew which I think is also very helpful yes to let people know they can bring a plus one yeah bring a plus one bring somebody that's going to make you feel comfortable so they all sit down and each course comes out and it's a course dinner I mean obviously for Thanksgiving it's it's a put all the food on the table and go in, which I also love <laughs> because there there is something like so special about saying, hey, can you pass me the bread? Mm-hmm. Can you pass me the butter? Oh, I want another serving of the mac and cheese. Can you can you throw me the mac and cheese, girl? Very like, specific type of conversation. There is a very specific conversation of like moving things around the table. This was not that because the reason that I chose to do a course dinner is because I wanted conversation to happen after every plate was removed. Mm. What did you like? What didn't you like? Did you enjoy that? What was your favorite part? And I also gave context, historical and cultural context to every dish because of the work that I do. But there is something beautiful about watching 10 complete strangers or people of different backgrounds come together, come into your house and you feeding them and just watching them connect through the dishes that you're that you're choosing to feed them. There was a moment where I came out and everybody in my home was laughing and giggling and <laughs> connecting. It was the most beautiful thing that I've ever experienced, but it was because I created an environment where they could let loose. Mm-hmm. But like my home is your home and I just want you guys to eat good and leave out of here feeling happy and taken care of. Wow. I feel happy and taken care of just <laughs> thinking about it. I am also like, where? when is my next meal coming? <laughs> um, Come on let over. me get planning. All right. All right. <laughs> be careful because I'll be over there tonight. Oh, I'm telling you, it's my favorite thing in the world to feed people. <laughs> okay, great. Oh, my um, God. I love it. Well, let me ask you this. In the spirit of Thanksgiving, um, I thought that it would be lovely to end on a note of gratitude. And I would love to hear about something or someone that you're grateful for? I am really grateful for every single Black woman that has taken care of someone in her home. Mm. Taken care of someone in her home or taken care of someone in someone else's home. And has really paved the way for me to be able to cook and really be of service in the most positive light in a way that makes me feel good. Because I know so many black women had to do that yeah. because they didn't have a choice. And I now am in a place where I get to recreate what that looks like. And wow, what a privilege. Yeah. yeah. Jordan Wimby is a chef and culinary preservationist. Jordan, thank you for sharing your work and your heart and your brains (laughs) with me today. Thank you for having me. 
If your mouth is also watering and your heart is also fluttering, you can learn more about Jordan Wimby and the dinners she hosts on her Instagram at the melanin underscore Martha. And that's it for today. Thanks to Justin Bull and Sarah Stark for producing The Rundown and to Ariel Van Clee for editing the show. I produced this episode and Brendan Banizak is our executive producer. Our theme music is by Louis Weeks. The Rundown is produced by WBEZ Chicago and is a part of the NPR Network. I'm Erin Allen. Thank you for listening. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow.